while. So now we are into the message and what I want us to look at is, is hope and praise. And two of the words that we really don't hear much uh, in the last 11 months uh, or, or the last eight months because of everything that's been happening in our country, we haven't wanted to praise too much, right? Uh, uh, and, and there's not much to really, a lot of people say, well, there's not much to hope for right now. Well, I want us as a church to understand what these words actually mean. Years ago, there was an S-4 submarine, uh, and it was rammed by a ship off of the coast of Massachusetts. It sunk immediately, and the entire crew was trapped inside. And everyone was frantically trying to find a way uh, to rescue the crew that was trapped inside. And eventually, they all perished. But before they could get to that point, one of the divers was down there trying to find a way to open it, and he heard a sound coming from inside. And he heard this tap, 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 tap. And it was Morse code that was being tapped and what it was saying. They were asking a question, is there any hope? Now, the popular preacher Chuck Swindoll, he wrote these words. He says, we can live several weeks without food. We can go a day or two without water, only minutes without oxygen, but without hope, forget it. Is there any hope? Are we just waiting at the end? You know, this has been quite a year. I mean, it, it's, not, it's not even over yet, but it's already been quite a year. And it seems like everything is not just getting better, right? Like we thought there for a while, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run its course and then it's all going to get better. But it seemed to go from bad to worse, to worser, to worsest. And that's kind of how I feel with the English language and with the state of our country and our world right now. It's not really starting to get better, but it seems in many ways to be getting work. In fact, statistics say that depression, anxiety, and thoughts of suicide are greatly rising. And we ask ourselves, is there any hope? We see people that are easily angered. And I'm not just talking about, oh, they're a little bit upset because traffic is getting worse. No, easily angered that just the little thing, the, the smallest of things, they had to wait too long in the line at, at McDonald's. They had to wear a mask to go in and get their coffee. And, and you can think of all kinds of other things that people are just angry. Riots, protests, sickness, lockdown quarantine, lockdown number two, quarantine number three. As a country, I would say right now, we are greatly divided. And so again, I ask, is there any hope? For our world today, is there any hope? And so since, no, so since it is November, since we are leading into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is this coming Thursday, and, and we're looking forward to Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for, and then we head into the Christmas season of sharing gifts and, and all of that that's happening, I want us to just ask ourselves one simple, easy question. Do I really come to praise God and worship Him, and do I have any hope? 
Have I come to truly worship God and is there any hope? And immediately two scriptures come to my mind. The first one we find in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And immediately people go physical, that's right. Physical, I'm going to prosper you physically and, and, and physically we're not getting very much prospering right now. So we go, oh, there must not be any hope, right? Well, we have to n- not just look at the physical side of things, but is God truly there? Are we prospering in him, in everything? The second scripture that comes to mind is Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, and then jumping to verse 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You know, one Sunday morning, during worship, a man came forward, and he was sitting in the church, he was visiting, and the preacher had made a, a great point, and, he, and all of a sudden the man said, Amen! People looked around, what was that? And the preacher kept going, and, and then he finished his, his next point, and, and that man said, Hallelujah! By this time, everybody was kind of disrupted and, and disturbed by what this man was doing. And, and one more time, he had, he had shouted, Hallelujah! One of the ushers came from the back and he walked forward and he said, Sir, sir, we really need you to calm down and be respectful in church. And the, guy, the, the man says, Hey, I, I, can't, I, I can't be quiet because I have Jesus. And the usher said, You didn't get him here. <laughs> Let that one sink in. Have we become rather stoic and unemotional in our worship? I'm not just talking here at Stafford County Christian Church, but as a church as a whole. We've come rather stoic, unemotional when it comes to our worship, praising of God. During the whole week, not not just on Sunday mornings for an hour, but I'm talking overall, we've become very unemotional when it comes to our praise and our hope in the Lord. You know, sometimes it's because we have other things that we focus on, right? We get so caught up in the world, we get so caught up in our family and our jobs that we just kind of put Jesus off. Jesus has taken the back burner. But what we need to do is we need to focus on truly worshiping God. But we focus on other things, right? Our family, our work. We focus on the style of music. Well, all of this technology isn't working, Travis. Let's break out the hymnals. (laughs) I knew I'd get at least one. And and I know there's there's one on Facebook right now. Rodney's going, amen. You know, be quiet, Rodney. Didn't get Jesus here. (laughs) We focus on the room temperature. It's too hot. It's too cold. Can't believe you would wear that to church. Oh, put your mask back on. You can't do that. Is he going to end on time? Can we beat the Baptist to lunch today? Uh, we, we focus on all, and we joke about it, and, and I love it, but, but at the same time, where's our focus on Jesus? 
are we putting him first and foremost? What does it truly mean to praise the Lord? Is it just those first three songs that we sing? Is it just a prayer of thanks? Is it worshiping God with hands held high in adoration? Is it telling God, good job, way to go? Or is it maybe all of the above? You see, when we truly praise God, we will find the hope that we truly need to get by. According to Webster's Dictionary, praise means an expression of gratitude, approval, or, the, or to glorify the, person, uh, the personal favors conferred. To commend, to applaud, to magnify, to glorify, to honor. To praise means hallelujah. And in the, we're going to turn to Psalm 111. So if you have your Bible, you should go ahead and turn to Psalm 111. We're going to spend a little bit of time here this morning as we praise God. And in Psalm 111 and in the whole Psalms, we see the word hallelujah used 31 times. Do you know that it's not used in the other 65 books on its own? Anytime that it's referred, hallelujah, anytime that it is referred to in the rest of the 65 books, it's actually quoting from the book of Psalms. Very interesting to be able to actually see. And when we read hallelujah, it's actually um, three words in the English, and it means praise the Lord. And I love that many of the Psalms themselves, they start that way, praise the Lord. Psalm 111 starts the same exact way. We read, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with, all, with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty in his work and his, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be, to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Oh, I love that. Praise the Lord. And how does it end? His praise endures forever. Man, as we break this down, this gives us a reason to find hope, to truly praise God. So after the words, praise the Lord, hallelujah, the, the writer here writes, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. The New Living Translation says, I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. You know, as we gather together, we're told to worship with our whole heart, with all of our hearts. I wanted to do a deep dive on that word all and, and what it means in the original Hebrew. Do you know what the word all means in the Hebrew? Yeah, it means all. Yeah, now wait for it. It means all. It means to give everything that we have. That, that's what it's totally, everything, nothing held back, 
all in. I'm all in, Lord. Here I go. Here is everything that I have, and it all belongs to you. I'm going to worship you with all of my heart. Now, when we read about the heart in, in the Bible, it's not just that little thing that pumps blood to your entire body. It's our inner being. The inner being. When I say I'm going to worship God with all my heart, I'm going to worship him with my inner being. What's that mean? My mind, my emotions, my passions, my appetites. Everything that I desire, I should worship him with. Everything that I hunger for, the core of my being, I am going to worship the Lord. Do you do so? Do you give God everything? Your whole being. Praise the Lord. He goes on to share what he is thankful for. Greater the works of the Lord, his righteousness endures forever. The Lord is gracious and merciful. You know, we have this saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, God is good all the time. Amen. Do we believe that? Do we live by it? Or is it just a phrase that we know? That's what we really need to focus on today. Do we truly believe that God is good all the time? Do we give him our praise and do we praise him with our whole heart? The scripture here says that those who delight in him should ponder. Those who delight in him must remember his goodness. That is what we've been called to do. Go down to verse five. We read, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Do you know that each and every Sunday that you come, you, you come to celebrate a meal? Wait a minute, Travis, what are you talking about? You, you, you stop the donuts. I know, we'll get back maybe, eventually. We're gonna, have those, we're gonna have those potluck dinners where we all come together and we're gonna have cookouts here at the church and we long for that day, but that's not the type of food that we're actually referring to here. Each Sunday we come to get nourishment for our soul, to be filled up, to fill the void within our hearts that we can't fill on our own. And then he says something about his covenant with his people. Now, God makes several covenants. Do you know how many covenants God has broken? Exactly. How many have we broken? <laughs> That's right, every single one. We're the one that fails. But God says, hey, um, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to keep it. And the covenant with the Israelites was that in, he would give them the promised land, that they would drive out all of those that were opposed to him, and they would receive the, the, the promised land. Look at verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. Again, the New Living Translation says, land of other nations. What's God's covenant with you? Well, God's covenant with me, God's covenant with you is his new covenant. And that new covenant is his son, Jesus Christ. And we must make sure that we always remember that. His covenant is that he will forgive our sins, that he will restore our fellowship with him if we turn our hearts back towards him. You see, Jesus is our mediator of the new covenant. Jesus provided his own body. He provided 
the sacrifice for our sins. He went to the cross for our sins and he brought about the new covenant. Nothing we could do could ever bring about that new covenant. No matter how many sacrifices we made, we would still be unworthy. But Jesus is our mediator because he went to the cross for us. We read this in Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 32. We read there, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Already prophesying that he will bring about a new covenant. He will bring about his son, and we must make sure that we never, ever forget that. Go back to Psalm 111, look at verse 9. He set redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. He paid our ransom. And we can never forget that. He paid the price of sin. That we will no longer be in bondage. He did that for us. He paid our ransom. Now, there's many shows on TV, and all of the sitcoms have come back on TV. And, and one of the shows that, that we like to watch, um, FBI. We just started watching FBI. And I know it's nothing like what the actual FBI is probably like. I understand that, Tony. But um, it's a good show. And uh, it, it <laughs> it's, a, it's a decent show. And this past week, we just watched it last night. We had it on the DVR, and we were watching it. And, and, and as they're showing it, uh, he, he, one of his informants has been held up inside uh, with a bunch of hostages. And he says, the FBI agent says, hey, let them go, and I'm going to take his place inside of there. Now, they're not supposed to do that, and we know that they wouldn't actually probably do that in real life, but it's a show, right? And so he gives himself up, and he goes in, and all of the people let go, and eventually the, the, the gun is handed over, and, and the whole situation is, is calmed down. Well, we think about all of those different shows where that hostage negotiation takes place, and a ransom has to be paid, or, or whatever it is. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He took our place. He died the death that we should have died to give us a life that we do not deserve. So what does Christianity offer that Christianity offer that the world can't? One simple word. Hope. We've been talking about the praise of, of Psalm 111. Now I want you to jump forward to the New Testament. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. As we look at this word, hope, I asked on Facebook this last week, I said, hey, what does hope mean to you? Several responses, that it will all be okay. One simple word, Jesus, revival. Hope of the next generation of youth, faith and family. <laughs> One day closer to heaven. That God is in control because clearly no one else is. That there's more good than evil in the world. The best word that was given on all of these, what do you hope for? <laughs> the Buckeyes. Someone said it, it wasn't me. I didn't say it. I believe it. 
I loved this one. Uh, Carol Small shared this one, and uh, I, I'm going to read it because I can't sing. But my hope is built on nothing less than, the, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And, and as, soon as, as soon as she said it, I typed back and I said, is it bad that I sang that as I read that? And she goes, well, is it bad that I had to sing it as I typed it to make sure I got it right? But when we think of that, man, that, that hymn is so true, right? My, my hope is built on nothing less than the Jesus' blood and his righteousness. That's our hope. Hope of salvation, hope of freedom, hope of life beyond this struggle. Hope of heaven, hope to overcome, hope that transcends difficulties and disease, hope that gives us the strength to stand because we are not alone. Hope. During our men's group yesterday, um, it, you, if you missed out on this series, it was an awesome series. And I encourage you, plan to come to our men's group. We meet on the first Saturday and the third Saturday of the month. They are awesome meetings. We meet here in person at the church. But this last series, it, it was just an awesome series. And, and the last one that we watched yesterday morning really just hit home. And the first story that they shared was um, a son who decided that he was leaving home. And he took off. And he headed to New York City, Times Square. Massive, huge. And his father and preacher decided that they were going to go after him and try to find him. And as we listened to the story, they were looking around trying to find him, and the young man decided that he was hungry and he was going to go in and sit down at a McDonald's. And what did he have with him? He had his Bible. And he wanted God to show himself to him. And they're looking everywhere trying to find him. And eventually, the preacher walks into the McDonald's. And he was able to call the father and say, Hey, found your son. He's at the McDonald's. Hey, millions of people in Times Square in New York City and they didn't even know for sure that he went they just thought that that's where he went yet they find him and in all of that you know we hear stories like that and and people share stories like that and, and I'm not going to use Adam's you know um, a guy you know says hey God if you uh, I, okay yes I'm going to share it um, so Adam was like you know a guy says hey God I'm standing in a 7-eleven and if a guy walks in right now and does a handstand in front of the slurpee machine I will believe in you and we hear stories like that all the time, right? God, if you just do this, I will follow you. God, if you, if you get me through this hangover, I'll never drink again. God, if you do this, I'll never do this again. God, I'll believe in you. And we hear all of those stories, yet this young man is sitting down. And this is what really hit me about this story. He wasn't just saying, okay, God, show me who you are. He had his Bible with him. He was truly searching. Is there any hope? God, is there any hope left? God says, yeah, there's a lot of hope left. And man, we talked about the fact of the prodigal son and the story and, and how all of that worked. And is there any hope left in this world? And the answer is yes. In Jesus Christ. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is what we read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What has God given us? Well, according to this, he has given us his mercy, born again into a living hope. Born again into a living hope that we can praise him with everything that we have. You see, the moment that we give our lives over to him, we become a new creation. The old has gone. We've been reborn. What is different? We've been forgiven. We've been saved. We've been given a second chance, a new beginning, and a new life. Now we have hope. Hope of what? Immediately, what's the first thing as Christians that we think of when we say, hey, we have hope? What's the first thing that we think of? Heaven. Heaven. Salvation is given to us in the moment that we have salvation and we have faith, our hope says, hey, I'm, I'm going to heaven. And immediately that's where we go. And that's exactly where Peter was going. You guys are on track today. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The inheritance that this world gives you will what? Perish, spoil, fade. Man, I see that every single week. In our house, we love to eat bananas, but not enough. I go and I buy bananas. And then Teresa goes and she buys bananas. And then we have two stacks and the kids, they help put the groceries away. The problem is, is they stack them incorrectly. The old ones are sitting there and well, they just go, there they are, right on top. And then you go to pick up the ones that are on the bottom. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's how I think of our faith if we are only hoping in the world. It's going to spoil, it's going to fade, gnats are going to swarm around it. You want nothing to do with anything like that. It won't last. One day, all of this, everything that you have, it will be gone. Think of your life before Christ. What was it? Hopeless spiraling out of control, filled with addiction, falling apart, our own worst enemy, loss of job, loss of a loved one, loss of a marriage. Everything that this world offers falls apart unless you have the strong foundation of Jesus Christ at the center. What is different today? How can we go from hopeless to hopeful? Jesus. Jesus is our answer. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about putting on the full armor of God. 
what do we receive? The greatest thing that we receive is that shield of faith. And that shield puts out the arrows, the darts that the enemy hurls at us. It puts them completely out. That's what we have. That is what brings us hope when we put on the full armor of God. Not that we do it on our own, but we have him backing us every step of the way. Christianity gives us genuine hope that this world cannot provide. Look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for God's work. What does God's grace teach us? That we can say no. What? We can say no? I, I didn't realize that. Yes, you can say no. You can live a godly life, self-controlled and righteous. You can truly have that hope in your life. You mean I don't have to follow my possession, my pos- my desires? Change that word, passions, passions and desires. I don't have to give in to that addiction. I don't have to give in to my friends who say that they want to go out and drink. No, you don't have to. You mean to tell me that I don't have to be a Michigan fan? I'm sorry. Or a Penn State fan, 0 and 5? I can only say that, hey, I'm just going to tell you I was on the edge of my seat yesterday. Woo-hoo. I got, a, I got a little cocky and prideful yesterday. I was like, yeah, yeah, look at the scoreboard now. It was 7-7 seven to seven at one point, but then we were up 35-14. Yeah, scoreboard now. I'm going to be quiet. Thankfully, we pulled it off. But man, IU's got a good team. And I was, I was proud of the way that they played. I was thankful that we pulled off the win, but woo, I'd have been hearing it today. That's all I can say. But guess what? If I put all of my faith in the Buckeyes, what's going to happen? they let me down at least once a year they let me down I put my faith in in anything that this world provides and it's going to let me down but I have faith in Jesus every step of the way but Travis you say that we can praise and we can have hope but there's a lot of pain in the world today there's a lot of anxiety and depression in the world today I'm feeling those pressures of the world today why does Jesus make me go through that why why do I have to suffer let's go to Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 Paul says therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace Wow because we've been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. 
because God's love has been poured out, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been, who has given, who has been given to us. So what does suffering help us to do? Paul says, hey, suffering, when you suffer, it can be good. Pressure in your life can be good because it will help you persevere. If you've been faithful to Jesus, He will be faithful to you. And He will be faithful to you even though we're not always faithful to Him because He has made that new covenant with us. And we must make sure that we never, ever forget that. When the hard times come our way, we can persevere because we have hope in Jesus. He is the one who has set us free. We don't enjoy it all the time, do we? Persevering provides character in our life. And we need that. It will help us to grow. It will help us to persevere with faith, trusting in God. Even when it's hard, I'm going to trust in Him because He's going to bring me through the hardest of times. We have hope that has a purpose. Suffering ultimately results in hope. Why? Because of our faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to push it off to the side. I don't want you to do that. But I want you to understand that the suffering that you are going through, the anxious moments in your life, the depression that you are facing, the hard times that you are going through because of everything that's happening in the world today, I want you to know that it is nothing compared to what we receive in glory. And that's what we have to hold on to. Jump down to verse 24. Paul says, For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what it, he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that's what we've been called to do. I mean, we want to see the end of this. We want to see the end of everything that is happening in our world today. We want to see the end of COVID. We want to see the end of a country that is so divided. We want to have unification. We want to be able to meet together. We want this virus to go away so we don't have to wear these masks. We want all of these things to go away, but we need to be patient. Man, we want heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go home. My family says, hold on a minute. I don't want the pain that I feel in my body. I don't want to see my kids hurt. But I have to be patient because I have a hope that is greater than anything that is found in this world today. There are many that are asking the question, will this ever end? I ask that same question today. But again, I want to remind you that if your hope is found in the government today, 
if your hope is in the economy system of the world today, if your hope is in money, the weather, in some sports team, in your preacher, you will be let down. All of those things will fail you. Yes, even your preacher, even your elders. Why? Because we're human. But we serve someone who is much greater than all of that, who died for us on the cross, who brought salvation, and who brought eternal hope. We have been called to put our hope in the Lord, to renew us, to bring us to newness of life. During these stormy times, let's make sure that we turn to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, today can be that day that you start fresh. Today can be the day where you say, I've been headed down a path that I shouldn't be headed in, and I've made a mess of my life, and I need to turn it over to him. You can make that commitment today. For everything that's been going on in your life, you can ask for forgiveness right now. For those who have given your life over to Jesus Christ, who have committed to him, you can ask for that forgiveness during our time of communion. If you haven't had a chance to get your emblems, they're in the back. You can send one of your family members to, to go grab them for your family, and you can bring those back to your seats. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be able to take that communion. To remember what Jesus did for us. He went to the cross for each one of you. For anyone who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ, I want you to know he went to the cross for you too. But Travis, you, you don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know what I've done either. And he still forgave me. And he does the same thing for you today. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, it is because of him that we have the hope to come today to worship you, to praise you in so many different ways and facets. And Father, as we look at Thanksgiving coming up this Thursday, Lord, that we will remember everything that we are thankful for, that we can be hopeful even with the world falling apart around us, that we can give praise to you, that we can give you everything that we have, that we have that hope, that we will persevere, that we will have that character built in us, that we will stand firm, that we will hold our ground. Father, as we partake of this communion, we just offer up all of our sin before you and we place it at the foot of the cross. That we give you our burdens, our worries, our cares, our anxious moments. Lord, that we can truly be thankful and be hopeful. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.